0: This past week, actually this past Friday, less than 48 hours ago, I had the second part to a two-part interview. The first part happened 11 years ago. It was from a couple of my colleagues who, in the fall of 2005, were beginning to write a book about innovative worship practices within Unitarian Universalism. And at that point, they interviewed me simply because they heard I had some ideas. That's all we had back then. Wellsprings was 16 months away from launching as a new spiritual community, and they wanted to check back in with me, and they wanted to hear how the last almost 10 years now, since we launched in January 2007, have gone. So I have to tell you this opportunity to stroll down memory lane and to see how we've built what we have built here has been incredible. And I had just a little bit of a flashback, not entirely pleasant to those first few months after we launched in early 2007, some of you, a few of you, very few of you remember what that was like. The first Sunday when we launched, one service, we took every single seat in Bell Hall. It was like Christmas Eve in there. And I thought, oh, we've, we've made it. We did this right. And then the next week was half of that attendance. And then the next week was 25% less than it had been the week before. And then 25% less. And then it bottomed out somewhere around March, April, May with maybe 35 to 40 people in Bell Hall every single Sunday. And, you know, people who are there in the beginning, they tried to make a positive reframe out of it. You know, we we reset the chairs so... uh, far away from each other said oh this is just like flying in business class this is great (laughs) and inwardly for about a month and a half right around easter time before and after i was thinking my god what have we done what is going to happen to my career turned out fine the truth is this kind of worship is different and was new to all of us back then and there's a huge learning curve and we stayed with it. I remember when we started to hit our sweet spot, it was after Easter of that year in 2007 and I think we kind of not just got the right sounds going, the right energy going, but we kind of found our hearts. I know I did in the May of that year when for the first time I really preached a message series that felt honestly reflective of where I was and where I was going as a person. I was trying out some different voices and ways of preaching in the first few series, but this one felt like I was hitting some kind of sweet spot. called it talking about the tough stuff. Addiction, shame, and unhealed grief. The kind of stuff that sits in our hearts like undigested food sits in our guts. we got to find a way to work with it. Knowing that this would be a tough message series, a series that would bring up a lot of things for people, I decided I would um, sweeten the pot just a little bit and also convey even more of who I am and who I love by showing a Simpsons clip at the start of each and every one of these messages in the series, the one on unhealed grief and death has to do with the episode in which Homer, who only wants to eat pork chops and applesauce, decides to try sushi for the first time. And he discovers, despite his resistance, that he loves it. And so he orders everything on the menu, including the fugu. The blowfish. The delicacy that can kill you if it is is prepared by unskilled hands. And that's what happens in the sushi restaurant. They have the amateur chef offer the fugu. After Homer has consumed it, well, he's told he may live and he may be fine, or his heart may explode on the next day. And so he goes to the doctor and he gets this news, and he receives this pamphlet. So you're going to die. (laughs) Not terribly skillful bedside manner there, Dr. Hibbert. And it is a little bit more complex than that, right? I've actually been reading a a number of medical pamphlets myself and medical information recently. Not because I am dying. Let me just uh, put that, put it at ease. But because I am considering undergoing some genetic testing. Some of you may know that there is a link, a genetic link between a certain cultural heritage and Parkinson's disease between those of us who are, and this is my heritage, Ashkenazic Jewish, Eastern European, the chances that you carry this gene, that may or may not be activated, rise if you're in that cultural background. What also is a risk factor is if a relative, an immediate blood relative, has had Parkinson's disease, which my grandfather did. And so I am considering undergoing genetic testing that's happening right here in Philadelphia at UPenn to see if I carry that gene. This is a little scary. I want to know, actually I want to find out if I have it, but first actually I've got to talk to a lawyer to see if this will affect things like health insurance and life insurance, which is why I'm taking my time to see if it's the right thing for me to do. So it's not that I don't want to know. As this time spreads out, and as I really consider if I want to do this, I am reminded of a phrase that I saw a friend write on Facebook not too long ago. That I am temporarily able-bodied. Those uh, those of us who consider ourselves to be able-bodied, it's only temporary, right? I saw this disease, which is not a death sentence but still a serious disease, take years for my grandfather's life, and I saw his life, the quality of his life, compromised in the years that he had. So I stand here before you today recognizing whether I carry this gene or not, I am temporarily able-bodied. And also being that I try to turn things like this into an opportunity for deep reflection and spiritual practice. I recall what is one of the five remembrances of the Buddhist tradition. A tradition close to my heart and to my practice. One of the five remembrances that says, I am of the nature to die. Look at these faces. I am of the nature to die. You are of the nature to die. We are of the nature to die. I want to stop and just breathe into that awareness. Because the truth is, the recognition of our mortality doesn't necessarily have to make us wiser, (laughs) it can make us more selfish. It can make us more, I'm going to get mine before I get gone. It can make us, I'm going to die with the best toys and I'm going to take them from other people because this is my one chance. But where this recognition of I, me, am of the nature to die shifts into something deeper, something that connects me heals me, is just to shift the pronoun in there. We are of the nature to die. It is of our nature to be mortal. How's that sitting with you right now? Maybe you knew that coming in. Maybe this is a truth that is not far at all away from you and you're like, no, duh, can I get this? Or maybe you came in here today not knowing that in this season of Samhain and Halloween and Dia de los Muertos and All Souls Day, maybe death is the last thing on your mind. And we... It is of our nature to die. Remembering this, remembering this, for me is the most profound spiritual practice. Because it calls me back to what I have in common with every single one of you and every single person, being, creature who lives and breathes. It is of our nature to die. That sets things in proper perspective for me. I think it can for all of us. It can help us, just as Reverend Lee said in her beautiful story this morning, help us remember who we really are and who we really love and what we really need to face even if sometimes there is resistance and we don't want to face it. Remembering ourselves in this way, re-putting ourselves back together in this way is a most profound renewal practice. Because it says, if I am of the nature to die, yes, hopefully someday, not today, then today we are all of the nature to live. And what will we do with this day, with this time, understanding that our time here is limited? My most recent uh, television uh, crush, which is to say obsession, is the show Westworld on HBO, which if any of you have started watching, kind of feels like it could be to me to be the spiritual successor of Lost, which has been my most beloved show pretty much of all time. And there's a character on that show, and I won't get into who or what she is, because I will just confuse you, and we don't know four episodes in exactly what's happening yet. But there's a character named Dolores, who says this. You think your grief will make you smaller inside, like your heart will collapse in on itself. But it doesn't. I feel space is now opening up inside of me like a building with rooms I've never explored. This is what the writer Anne Lamont says when she is around her friends who are dying, as she says consciously. And she says they live big, round, pregnant hours a wonderful way to describe the dying who we think as kind of coming to the end of something. But instead, to live big, round, pregnant hours is what we can all do here together today. In just a moment, I'm going to call you up. Starting with this side first and working from the front to the back and then over there and working from the back to the front to come forward this altar of love and remembrance and engage this practice this opportunity to remember that it is of our nature to die and this day it is of our nature to live and that this happens to us all and we are not separate, we belong together and that because we can renew in the memory of those we love carrying them with us today commit our lives once again Greater love, greater peacemaking, greater compassion, greater healing of that gap that so often stands between us and the world, thinking that the world is out there and we are over here and we are separate. But if we remember that it is of our nature to die, we know that everything is ultimately united with everything. As our universalist tradition says, there is one common source and one common destiny for everything and everyone. And so when you come by here today, please take your time. We'll give it time. The band will be playing. Absorb these faces. The ones beloved to you. The one beloved to you. Those you don't know at all. And see in them a reflection of your own life. That yes, it is of our nature to die and so it is of our nature to live and so it is of our nature to love. And if you pass by these faces and you see the ones who have given you a complex legacy, maybe not the easiest legacy, you can ask yourself, what can I do to renew my healing today? If you see a face or the faces where you see one of these candles and it reminds you of someone you have loved and lost who has given you a great blessing, ask yourself, what can I do today to incarnate, to embody that blessing as deeply as I can, living in connection with their values, their vision, their hearts? For some of us, like my mom up here, her heart is still beating within my heart. In this way, in this practice of remembering and of renewing, may we touch that capacity that our core beliefs speak of here at Wellsprings. We speak of connecting with the divinity, with the divine. May we remember and renew by living fully and loving generously and being all, all of who we are called to be. Take your time, folks. Just don't pass by because how we do this altar of remembrance is how we kind of do everything in life. Give it time. Give it space. We are together. Here. Not separate. Not alone. Grieving. Loving. Living. Together. I'm going to invite the band back up. Come on and get into position, guys, here. And as they start to play, I'm going to ask this front row here to start to come forward. And then you can line up around the side. Maybe just remain seated and so the line doesn't stretch into a full circle all the way around. As we continue to come through this line, I'm just going to offer a prayer. Whether your eyes are open or your eyes are closed, let's invite ourselves right now here into the spirit of our hearts, the spirit of prayer. Let us remember, remember and renew. God of all souls, of connection, of what it is to look upon our lives with appreciation and honesty, and to recognize that all of these faces, all of these beloved faces up here on this altar of love and remembrance, they are us. And we are them. And someday we will be the faces on that altar. And so there's a question for today, along with all the memory and all the love and that deep sense of belonging. What do we wish to leave behind? What are we doing to generate the kind of connection, love, belonging, purpose, hope that we can do so that someday when we are gazed upon, with eyes full of tears and hearts full of love, we can be remembered for how we have lived. May we receive the legacy from the past, complex or beautiful. May we offer a legacy to those who come after us. A legacy that allows us to remember. There is one common source to all of this life. There is one common destiny for each of us. Each belonging to all. Hand to hand. Heart to heart. May we live in this hope. Be renewed in this awareness. Share this deeper purpose with each other. Now on this day and in the days to come. May it be so. And Amen. Thank you for staying. Thank you even more for being here. May we be grateful that we are a part of each other's lives. I'm going to ask, would you take the hands closest to you? May we just feel this life, this pulse, this presence. Welcome all of it. The joy, the pain, the sorrow, the elation. And may we recognize whatever true, deep peace there is in our lives. It comes through remembering that our bonds with each other are unbreakable. And that we are always connected. I love you all. Thank you for being here.